0: You're listening to Scottish Radio News. I'm Chloe Gardner here with your news updates. A man has been charged with attempted murder following an incident on a train. British Transport Police confirmed a 46-year-old man has been charged with attempted murder, assault and possession of an offensive weapon after an incident on a train bound for Larbert Station. Emergency services responded to the scene at around 7.30pm on Friday evening. The man will be remanded in custody to appear in Falkirk Sheriff Court on Monday, February 19th. Police say a man in his 20s remains in serious condition in a hospital. A second man in his 20s has been released from hospital. A report will also be sent to the procurator fiscal. A man has been arrested and charged following a spate of break-ins across Edinburgh after being traced by a sniffer dog. Officers were called to reports of break-ins across Gillespie Street and Murchison Avenue areas on Tuesday morning. Dog handler PC Ewan Storer attended with PD Milo, who traced a 29-year-old man and recovered stolen property. He was subsequently arrested and charged. The 29-year-old appeared at Edinburgh Sheriff Court on Wednesday. A gym in Aberdeen reopened yesterday following the death of a 10-year-old girl after an incident in the swimming pool. Jessica Rennie's death was confirmed by police on Wednesday after she got into difficulty in the water at the Get Active at Northfield Complex at around 8pm on Monday evening. Emergency services were called to the leisure centre and Jessica was taken to Aberdeen Royal Infirmary where she later died. While the pool remains closed until further notice, Sport Aberdeen confirmed on its website that other facilities at the complex have opened including the gym. A care worker who pled guilty to stealing thousands of pounds from the bank account of a vulnerable resident at an assisted living facility has been struck off the register. Rachel Mitchay had been working as a relief worker for Inspired at Holly Bank, St James's Place, when the thefts occurred. A vulnerable patient who had learning disabilities and needed round-the-clock care at the facility was helped financially by staff, who accompanied her to the bank, helped her make responsible transactions and kept a logbook. However, between September 2021 and February 2022, Mitchie took advantage of having access to her bank cards and stole over £2,000 from her bank accounts. She pled guilty and to pay a £500 compensation order to the victim. Mitchie has now been removed from the Scottish Social Services Council register. That's all from me. I'm Chloe Gardner and you've been listening to Scottish Radio News. Have a great Sunday fm weather with ace competitions this is today's weather on mirins fm today will be mainly dry with plenty of sunshine and light winds with a maximum temperature of 12 degrees celsius mirins fm weather with ace competitions head over to acecompetitions.co.uk or find us on facebook and instagram for more information all participants must be eighteen years or over. BeGambleAware. Co. Uk. Hey, yeah, yeah. From mountain to sea, mountains of
1: em. From mountain to sea, mountains of em.
2: Welcome to this worship service provided by Abuthnut, Bervey and Keneff Church. If you would like to find out more about us or support us in our ministry, then you can search for us online, on Facebook and on YouTube by searching for ABK Church. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you. Good morning. Welcome here to Bervi. It's great to welcome you all as we come to worship God. Let me read some words from Psalm 9, and then we'll um, begin uh, our time of worship as we sing our opening song. But Psalm 9 says, "I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High." Let's do that. Let's worship our God as we sing our opening praise. Open the eyes of my heart will stand it for evil to God in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for this immense privilege that we have right now, that we get to pray. We thank you that we have the confidence to enter the most holy of places, your very presence through the shed blood of Jesus upon the cross, allowing us to draw near in the throne room of that holy and majestic God. As we come to you again this morning, we long that you'd be gracious to us. For we ask that we would meet with you here, that as we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we have dozens and hundreds of times before, that we would come and worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. Lord God, our souls praise you, for you are great and glorious, your cloth is majesty and splendour. There is no one like you, God, not now, not ever, you are beyond words. And we agree with the psalmist when they say that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. That the stars are shouting of your kingly greatness. And so as we come to you, be blessed to dwell among us. And we ask that with boldness, trusting in Jesus as our Saviour and Lord. For it's in his name that we come to you. The one who lived a life of perfection on our behalf. Walking his life's journey without a single error or sin. His lips never lying like ours do. His heart never proud like ours often is. His hands never used to hurt like ours have done so. You are holy, holy, holy. We have sinned against you. But Lord, also we repent of our failures and sins. And the good news of the gospel is that our sins were laid in Christ, bearing the weight of them at Calvary, bearing it upon his shoulders. And now, gracious God, you give us freedom and joy, liberty and life. For Jesus died that we are set free. For we pray as the people of Jesus, and together we pray what he taught us to say. The words are behind me on the screen.
3: Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Thanks be to God for his holy word. If you've only joined
2: us today or you've forgotten for the last couple of weeks, we've been starting a serious thinking about what it is to be um, those who are becoming more and more like Jesus. In other words, what it is to be growing as a disciple of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we started to think about worship, that worship is not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we sing on Sunday mornings, but it's an all of life thing or it should be an all of life thing that when we go to work, school, when we hang out with friends, at the weekends, whatever it might be, all of life can be and should be worship. Last week we thought about, the, about God's word. Do we get to discover who Jesus is and follow him and love him more as we get to come face to face with the Bible? And this morning I want to think about prayer, as Jim was saying earlier. But I want to begin with a question. The question is, what are you obsessed with? What are you obsessed with? Perhaps you might say, nothing, I'm not obsessed with anything. But I think that actually all of us are obsessed with something. In fact, I would argue that God made us to be those who are obsessed. Many of us, many, much of the world, might be obsessed with things like success, or the prize vehicles, or clothing, or other people, or sex, or a television series, or a sports team, or a myriad of other things. But ultimately, we were made to be obsessed with Jesus. When you read the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it becomes apparent that Jesus was obsessed with his Father God. His life was one of deep and constant focus upon who God was and what God had for him to do. He says, I never do anything that the Father doesn't want me to do that God himself was not doing. And Jesus, as we read in John chapter 6, he says that what's happening between him and the Father should also be happening between us and Jesus. He says, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father God. So the person who feeds on me will live because of me. God the Father sent me, and I live because of him. And so if you feed off me, if you come to me, if you find life in me, you too will find that life. Jesus lives the abundant life of John chapter 10 because of his relationship with the Father. And so as we grow to be more like Jesus, we too will have that life. If we are to thrive, become all that God wants us to be, it's because Jesus will become our obsession. In other words, Jesus will become the words upon our lips, the delight of our heart, the ache of our soul, the song or the tune of our song, the drive of our life, the excitement of our day, our centre, our consuming passion, our strength and resource, our everything. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, I want Jesus to be my obsession. I want him to become the centre of my life, to be the focus of my life. But wouldn't it be strange if you were to say Jesus is the centre of my life, my hope, my everything, but you never spent time with him? Or think about it in terms of a family member or a friend. If you said, I love them, they're everything to me, but I never spend any time with them, I never communicate with them. Oh, but they're my everything, I love them to death but I'll have no time to speak to them. That would make no sense. Likewise with Jesus. If we're going to be obsessed with him, receive his life and grow as his people, it means we must be involved with him. Primarily that means through prayer. Prayer lies at the heart of relationship with God. And prayer, when you think about it, is us preaching to ourselves, preaching to the world, preaching to God. God, you are God. And I am weak and needy. And in need of you. Prayer is lifting up a white flag and saying, There are things that I cannot do, situations I cannot change, except for you, God, to intervene in this situation. And God promises in the scriptures for for Him to act when we pray. He says, There are things that will happen only through prayer. So when we come to him in humility, pleading with him to pour out blessings into our lives, to our families, our church, our nation, and our world, God will not stop his ears. Instead, he will listen. He says through Jeremiah, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God is not like a parent who's kind of fed up with a child coming to them. God says, I will listen to you. Or elsewhere, Jesus breathtakingly says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Or his brother, younger brother James, who writes the book of James, says, Friends, you don't have because you have not bothered asking. Or to put it positively, if you had asked, God would have acted and met your needs. It's astonishing. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-foreseeing, all-planning God says that when you pray, things will often happen. Because you used a prayer as that catalyst. So, as a church, we exist to do things that cannot happen without the supernatural grace of God. So, when you pray, God, will you bring folk to come to know Jesus in and through this church? You're saying, God, we cannot do that. You can. You can do the humanly impossible. When you pray for a loved one, you're admitting, God, I cannot change the situation, but you can. And my desire is that we become a people more obsessed with Jesus. Turning, him to, turning to him in prayer and watching him do the humanly impossible and so for a few moments I want to look at that passage that we read earlier or Andrew read for us from Philippians chapter 4 particularly the first few verses that we read so Paul begins in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians he says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say it rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near So, do not be anxious about anything, but on everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, I said that God wants to act in response to our prayers. And one of the things He wants to do is replace the crippling fear that I have, that you have, with an overwhelming peace in our life. That's what Paul promises us. Today. That as we come to Him with Christ exalting, Christ dependent prayer, anxiety will flee and peace will replace it. I wonder how often you're prone to worry. How often do you worry? I know that my life can go through cycles of times filled with worry. I worry about my boys, I worry about Kirsty. I worry about all of you as individuals. I worry about our church and the future of it. I worry about the deterioration of society and what my boys will grow up into. I worry about family members who don't know Jesus. I worry what will happen if I die or I get long-term sick and there's no income to our house. What will happen to cursing the boys? I worry that I'll mess things up, that I'll lose my job, that I'll be a bad dad or a bad husband or a bad church minister. And so if you worry, don't worry. You've got company. (laughs) But we all worry. Maybe not all the time, but certainly there'll be times where you do worry. But God, as he speaks to us through Paul, tells us that we can have victory over that worry. And remember, these are not the holy ramblings of Paul one day. These are God's words that he speaks in and through Paul and he writes down for us. It's a message of love from our Heavenly Father to his children, to you and to me today. It's not aimed at the religious scholars, but the sons and daughters of God. Those who have faith as small as a mustard seed, who have repented and trusted in Jesus. If that's you, these words are for you. as a promise for you. So how will we gain that supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding and comprehension? Paul's like a doctor, writing out the prescription. He says, here's how you have the victory over worry. Take one of these a day. Take ten of these a day. Whatever you need to do. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and peace will arrive. It's astounding that Paul uses the words in everything. Don't miss that. When's Paul talking about? In every situation. Good times, bad times, all the time. What does he want you to do in all the time? Let your request be known to God. So pray. And what will the result be as you pray? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which is beyond your comprehension, beyond any scientific study, will be yours. If you know your Bibles a bit, you'll know that Paul did not have the easy, simple, middle-class life that many of us perhaps might have. Paul, when he became a Christian, didn't have that kind of life. In the book of Acts, which tells the story of the early church, including Paul, how he came to know Jesus... He writes in in one of his verses, one of the bits of passages, he says that Paul, as he began to preach, became a wanted man, that people were wanting to kill him. And then Paul begins to outline in that an awful lot more in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. He begins to say, this is what my life has been like since I became a Christian, since I began to tell others of Jesus. He says in chapter 11, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death time and time again. Five times I received from the Jews of 40 lashes minus one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from false believers. I've laboured, I've toiled, I've often gone without sleep, I've known hunger and thirst, I've often gone without food, I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, he says, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches, for the Corinthians, for the Philippians, for the Ephesians and all the rest. He worries about them. But the amazing thing is, he writes those words I've just read, that big passage of how he's had a pretty tough life, an extremely tough life. He writes all of that before he writes his words to the Philippians. He's gone through all of that shipwrecks, all of that hunger and thirst, that cold, and that fear of persecution and banishment and all the rest. He's gone through all of that. Then a couple of years later on, he says, Oh, by the way, have peace in all of those situations. In, everything. in the threat of killing and imprisonment and beatings and shipwrecks and sleeplessness and hunger and thirst and poverty and your worries about each other and the church and all of the rest and all of that and more. Give it all to God and the peace that comes from him will be yours. Now I don't know what your life is like. Maybe some of you have got some tough stuff going on. I imagine many few of you have gone through what Paul's gone you've been beaten to death That you've been shipwrecked you've been lost at sea for a day and a night and I know that some of you are going through some tough stuff but Paul too went through it and yet he says you can know peace even in the midst of the cancer diagnosis even in the loss of a loved one even when you get thrown in prison for false um, accusations and all the rest that's a promise of God for you and for me The promise of God is that the peace that he has, that he owns and possesses, can be yours. And Jesus says the same thing in John chapter 14. He says famously to his disciples at the end of a passage about how he's going to die soon. He says, my peace, God's peace, I give to you. doesn't mean that your cancer will suddenly be cured. Or that your loved one will be raised from the dead. Or the the imprisonment that you face will not keep on going. But that somehow, in the midst of all that, God can give you peace, even in the midst of that trouble. I read this wonderful phrase, that we can rest on the heavenly cushion of peace when the storms surround us on the open sea. Kind of like how Jesus was in the boat when the storms all are raging around him, and Jesus says, when he wakes up, he's like, folks, what are you worrying about? I was having a nice wee nap. And they're like, have you not seen the storm, Jesus? And Jesus is saying... I slept on that heavenly cushion of peace. And that's what you and I can be like when the worries come and encroach upon us. And how do you get that cushion of peace when a storm's around? By prayer. Resting upon God in all things. Turning your cares, your proper proper cares, your proper concerns, into prayers. Throwing them upon God's grace. And saying, God, change it. Do something. Give me peace. Give me hope. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your request to God. And friends, encouragement is to pray about everything, in every situation. Stay in that mindset of prayer. God longs to hear from you. Not just when you're in a panic or in a crisis, because that's what I can do, and I'm sure you can do too. But how would you hate that a little bit if a friend or a loved one only phoned you up when they're in a panic or a crisis? oh mum, I need more money again oh can you help me dad because the washing machine's broke for the eighth time oh can you do this because my wife's left me or whatever else has happened if you only heard from a friend or loved one when they're in a crisis you'd get pretty bored of that friendship now God's not going to get bored of you he's much more gracious, much more kind much more generous than we would ever be with them but how often do we treat God like that way we only phone him in the crisis So don't just pray in the crisis. Pray and talk to your friend about everything, your loved one about everything, talk to God about everything. Pray that whatever you do, you'd glorify God, you'd be drawn closer to Jesus. So what does it look like to pray about everything? In the morning when you wake up, pray. I'm not saying pray for half an hour, but just say, God, thanks for today. Let me be wise, let me be loving today. Pray in the evening when you go to bed, say, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for the good times. And help me to deal with the bad things that happened. Pray at the wedding and at the funeral. Pray at the school gates when you drop your kids or grandkids off. Pray at the threshold of a friend's door when you go into their home. Pray before you come to church. Pray when you're at church. Pray when you go home from church. Pray without ceasing. When you turn, you're just simply asking how they are. Pray for them before you pick up the phone or when your notes are going to be a kind of scam caller, pray for them as you pick up the phone too, that they would know God's love. Pray for safety before you begin your journey. Pray with thankfulness when you're done with that journey. Let everything, let there be an aroma of prayerfulness around you. doesn't mean that you kind of go around with your eyes closed, or you can do nothing else but pray, but try and let little things cause you to prayer. I read something this week about a couple of friends, or a guy who wrote a book, he, he and his friend challenged each other that every time they touched a door handle, a doorknob, they would pray. So when they opened a a kitchen door to grab a a mug out or grab something out for dinner that night or the fridge freezer, they'd pray. When they went into a new room and they opened up the door or they went into a shop and they touched the door, they would pray. Again, not a long prayer, but just simply a prayer of going, thanks God for this food. Thanks I have a home. Oh, thanks for that thing that happened half an hour ago. God, help me with that thing that I've got coming up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many, I've not done it this week, but I wonder how many times you might touch a doorknob or a door handle or push a door open this week. And if you prayed for 10 seconds every time you touched it, there'd be an awful lot of prayers going out. And it's easy to miss, but Paul doesn't simply just say, don't be anxious, pray about things. He goes into more detail. Three quick things he says. He says, by everything or in everything, by prayer. He begins by saying in prayer, and, and that word in the original language is much more a sense of, not just a case of praying in terms of God help me, but more a sense of um, worship. There's a coming close to God, it's an adoration, a devotion to God. It's setting your focus upon God. Because that's what prayer is, it's saying, God you're big, you're great, you're glorious, Here's my stuff. I've said this before, but when we find ourselves worrying, let it, use, let it be a prompting to worship. So, in other words, that when you come to a big situation, when something is a crisis and it's difficult for you, think about who God is first as you begin to pray. So yes, pray for the cancer diagnosis or the car crash or whatever else it might be, pray for that. But first take a moment and recognise and remember who God is. The situation is big, it's devastating, it's hard, but first I'm going to remember that God is bigger. That God is stronger, that he's more mighty, more powerful. That he's my king, that he's my Lord, he's my loving father. That he's my rock and refuge, he's almighty, he's glorious, he's my God. And therefore I'll come to him with this huge situation, but remembering that he is even bigger. Sometimes, almost always, we rush into prayers. God, here's my thing. Take a moment, just for a moment, to remember who God is first. Come with a sense of wonder, of prayer, of adoration, And then bring your prayers to him. And then Paul says, by and everything, by prayer and petition or supplication. And that's the more narrow word that means something along the lines of praying about stuff that you're asking for help from God. And the word again is kind of used as a, a kind of very specific kind of needs he's asking after or wanting. So sometimes we come to God and we say. A good prayer like, God bless my loved ones. That's a good prayer to pray. But an even better prayer would be, God help my loved one, this person, in this situation, and do this thing. So what I mean by that is, don't just say, bless my loved ones, but rather, what about, God my sister has lost her job and she's really struggling right now, trying to pay for everything. It's crushing her. God give her a job that will fit her skill set. Give her joy and fulfilment. Or loving friend, my friend, loving God, my friend John has been diagnosed with dementia. Give him many more happy years. Be with the doctors and nurses as they care for him. Be with his wife Linda as she looks out for him. That's what it is to be prayerful and come to God with specific needs. So I'm not condemning or saying that the bad prayer is a very generic one. But really what are you after? What do you want God to do? You don't want God to just bless in an airy-fairy way. You really want God to give your sister a job or your friend John to have many more comfortable years or whatever else it might be to actually happen. Come to God and say, this is my request. Please do it. And lastly, he says, come with the prayers, petitions, with thanksgiving too. And when we come with thanksgiving, we're humble and we say, God, I can't change things, but you can. And in the past, you've done things that I cannot. And we can be thankful, even in times of trouble, for three reasons. One, because you're not alone. God gives you himself, the good shepherd, the trusted friend who walks alongside you through that tough time. But he gives you each other to love and support each other. Secondly, we can be thankful because God is king. He's in control. That whatever's happened to you, God is not dismissive of He knows what's happening and he has a plan. And thirdly, we can be thankful because we know a certain hope, a a surety that God will work out all things for our good. Maybe not in this life, but when we go to heaven, we'll be saying, I understand. So when we let a request be known to God like this, in prayer, through asking for specific things for help, with a heart that's thankful for all that God has done for us. God will give us that peace. that surpasses all understanding. I long that we would have that kind of mindset. That we would feel the joy and the wonder. Of the power and privilege. Of a life of prayer. And for the last couple of minutes. I want to close with an outline. Or a dream of a vision. Of what I long for us as a church to be like. If we truly became prayerful people. If we became obsessed with Jesus. And became all the more eager to speak with him. So for instance Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 when you go out to pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret your father who's in secret will reward you. And so I dream of a church composed of dozens if not hundreds of people daily finding a secluded place and time for personal prayer with God where they'll confess their sins thank God for blessings praise him for his perfections asking for help in their life and interceding for others. Every day that all of us would be those kind of people in a solitary place and time in prayer. Or Paul says in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. And I pray that we would not be content with Sunday morning prayers or prayer meetings or even daily devotions. But as I was saying earlier, that in every moment of life we'd be drawn into a deeper relationship with God. That we'd become those who want to pray in the good, the bad and the ugly. That we'd say, God, you're my shepherd, my king. In this moment, too. Or since James, the brother of Jesus, says, "Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed." I dream of a church that's filled with small groups and friendships where people pray for each other, pray for healing, for reconciliation, for lost loved ones, for for sin that's enduring, for faith to keep on going, where people pray for each other and for their church and for the church to be carried forward in the mission of prayer. Or because the author to the Hebrews says, let us then draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And dream of a church where we would be filled with people who daily delight in coming near to God's throne of grace. Recognising we've come close not because we're good or perfect but because Jesus helps us. He dies and rises again that we can know our Heavenly Father. And since the twelve apostles said in Acts chapter 6, But we will devote ourselves to prayer. I dream of a church where all of our meetings of all different kinds, the Kirk session, leadership teams, planning meetings for various things, don't just go into human discussion at the offset, but begin with prayer, linger with prayer throughout, and end with prayer. That The whole meeting will be saturated in prayer from beginning to end. And finally, since the essence of worship is the adoration of God, I dream of a time where all of us, as we come to worship God on Sundays and other times, would be deeply, joyfully, authentically engaged with God in prayer through all of the time of worship. That you'd pray as you come to church, pray as you sing, pray as you listen to the word, pray as you go. That you'd come and you'd say, God, help me to listen for your voice today. That as you sing, you'd say, let these not be words that I sing, but prayers that I pray back to you, God. That as you go, you'd say, God, help me to take what I've learned and I've grasped and I've come to understand of you into my week. That all of our people would be gathered up in prayer like this would be a wonderful thing. And so come to God. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray Father we thank you that you are a God who loves to hear from us. You're a God who's not dismissive of our prayers but actually you you love it, you delight that when we turn to you in prayer whether our prayers are long and flowery or whether it's simply a, a cry of thank you God you love to hear from us We pray that we would be those who pick up that telephone of prayer that we would call out to you, that we thank you for your goodness, we'd remember your love, that we'd bring our petitions and our prayers before you. Lord, make us into a prayerful people and may you do wonderful things far beyond our understanding or comprehension and response and give us a peace that surpasses all understanding as we turn to you in those moments of crisis and of need. May you give us peace even in the storms that that surround us. For we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We will sing again. We're going to sing Be Thou My Vision. so we come to you as the one who is our almighty God, our sovereign king, our our gracious saviour rejoicing that our lives are hidden in Christ that we have an unbreakable union with you so much so that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from your great love for us we thank you that we've been set free, set free from the slavery to sin That because of Jesus and all that he's done for us, you give us permanent access to your wonderful presence. That you're not a far and distant God, but you're close and personal. That you're a loving Heavenly Father and you long to, that we would know you and love you all the more. Father, today we've been thinking about prayer. When we think about our prayer life, it's so often it can be dry and dusty. So often we go days without even praying to you. Lord, if that is us today, or even if we recognise that our prayer life could be stronger, we long that you would do that within us, that you would give us a greater passion to prayer, a greater love of prayer, that we would unashamedly turn to you in each and every moment, recognising your greatness, your goodness, and your love for us, that we would bring you our prayers, so that we might be set free from worry, And have that overwhelming peace that you long for us. Gracious God, therefore we bring you our prayers and all the things that are on our minds. We bring you loved ones who are ill or going through long-term health issues. We pray for those with broken bones. as a number in our church family who have that. Those who are struggling with cancer diagnosis. Those who are suffering from mental health conditions. Or a myriad of other things that are painful and sore. That causes them to daily struggle. For those in hospital and those in care. For those who have not yet received the care that they so desperately need. Lord, pour out your grace. We ask for healing. We ask for wisdom for doctors and and carers and consultants. We ask for medication to work well. For treatment to go smoothly. We ask, Lord, that there'd even be miracles, that healings would come even when we don't expect it. We pray that those who belong to you, Lord, would especially know your grace and your kindness. That they'd be swept up in love as they even lie in that hospital bed. they know your closeness and your touch. Father, too, we pray for um, the bereaved in our church family and those wider field that God again would ask for peace. Even as they mourn, as they bury or um, see their loved one at the crematorium, Lord, might it be that there's grace and peace even there. Next week, as we celebrate the baptism of Teddy Newman, Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon Teddy. That even though he's an infant right now who cannot speak and barely beginning to crawl and move, but Lord, that one day he would come to know you And all the fullness that he would experience the fullness of Jesus. We pray for his mum and for his dad and for his wider family. For Laura and Chris and all the loved ones. That they too would experience your grace and your goodness and the love of Jesus. And God we thank you that we get to worship you here in this place. But also we get to worship you throughout the week. One way that we worship you is as we give to you our, our time, our talents and money. And we thank you for that privilege. So we ask that you would use what we give to you, the money in the collection plate today, the money that we might have given in other times and other ways, that it be used to build your kingdom, to advance your kingdom here in Bervé and Gurdon, Buffnock and F and Cartiline and beyond, that many more might come to find fullness of life in Jesus. Lord, bless our church. Give us all the resources we need that we might serve you faithfully that we might go from strength to strength, be built up in faith, that many might come to experience life with you as we daily serve you and follow after you. So bless us in all of these things and more we ask, for we pray them in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We sing that (laughs) well-known song about prayer in a moment, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And just one thing I want to say before we sing is that Jim mentioned it earlier just as he began to speak that sometimes you might think that prayer is a thing the minister does that's what I do, yes but it's also a thing that you get to do and I don't just mean that you get to do it in your quiet time although that's very good as well but I read something in a church newsletter not ours but some other church somewhere else this week and it mentioned that a person to come to their church I think from somewhere else they come to part of the church family and the person who's writing this little article says they're so grateful for this person to be part of her family, but unfortunately they're moving back to their home. They've been here for a number of months. And he said it really touched because this person, who'd came to the church for a while, had prayed with them. And they said something that really kind of made me quite sad. They said, this person was the only person, other than the minister, who'd ever prayed with them. And I know for many of you that's not the case. You have prayed and you do pray with others, folk. But I encourage you, don't let that be your story or somebody else's story in here that I'm the only person who's ever prayed with them. I'm not saying you all have to get into holy huddles right now, but if you hear someone at coffee time with we or have coffee in five minutes' time, if somebody says to you, oh, I'm really struggling with this back home, just do what I've sometimes done and said. Can I pray for you for 10 seconds? Do that. Or next week or some other time, pray with other folk. Let them know that you really love them and remind them that God is with them in their situation. It's not what I do. It's what we all get to do, to pray with and for each other and pray ultimately to God. Mm-hmm. So we'll sing our closing praise, that song that speaks of how Jesus is our hope, our comfort, that we turn to Him in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus.
0: You're listening to Scottish Radio News. I'm Chloe Gardner here with your news updates.